Chapter 19 of The Cruise of the Alert in Search of Treasure by E. F. Knight. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19. Hove to. It was blowing hard on the day of our departure from Bahia, and we sailed down the bay under mizzen and headsails so as to see what it was like outside before hoisting our mainsail. A high sea was running on the bar, and while the yacht was tumbling about in the broken water, an accident happened to Wright. He was preparing our tea when a lurch of the vessel capsized a kettle of boiling water, the whole contents of which poured over his hands and wrists, scalding them severely and causing intense pain, so that we had to administer a strong sleeping drop to the poor fellow after the usual remedies had been applied to the scalded parts. He was on the sick list for a long time, and was, of course, incapable of doing any work of any description during his voyage, though, as he soon got a bit better, it worried him to think that he was of no use, and he insisted, though his hands were bandaged up, in trying to steer with his arms. This accident made us still more short-handed. There were but three of us left to work the vessel. Luckily, I had one good man with me in the person of Ted Milner, who not only did the cooking but worked hard on deck during my watch as well as on the other and was very cheery over it all the while too when we were outside we took two reefs down in the mainsail before hoisting it and close reefed the foresail for it was evident that we were in for a spell of squally weather we had better luck now than during our previous attempt at reaching trinidad for the wind instead of being right ahead from the southeast kept shifting backwards and forwards between the north and east so that we could always lay our course on the port tack and could often do so with our sheets well off but the wind was squally and uncertain and for much of the time the sea was rough so that we were eight days in reaching the island at dawn on january twenty ninth we sighted trinidad right ahead and in the afternoon we were about two miles off opposite to the nine pin rock it was blowing hard from the eastward, and the sea was, I think, running higher than on any occasion since we left Southampton. The surf on the island was far heavier than we had ever seen it before, and was breaking on every portion of the coast with great fury. We now ran before the wind towards Southwest Bay, and the squalls that occasionally swept down the ravines were so fierce that we sailed with foresail down and the tack of our reefed mainsail triced well up. We saw that the seas were dashing completely over the pier and sending great fountains of spray high into the air. When we opened out Southwest Bay, the scene before us was terribly grand. Huge green rollers with plumes of snowy spray were breaking on the sandy beach and the waves were dashing up the sides of Noah's Ark and the Sugarloaf to an immense height, the cliffs being wet with spray quite 200 feet up. The loud roaring of the seas was echoed by the mountains, and the frequent squalls whistled and howled frightfully among the crags, so that even the wild seabirds were alarmed at the commotion of the elements, for they had risen in multitudes from all the rocks around the bay, and were flying hither and thither in a scared fashion, while their melancholy cries added to the weirdness of the general effect. And once more we saw before us, high above the sea foam, our little camp, with its three tents and the whaleboat hauled up on the sands not far off with its white canvas cover stretched over it but we were surprised to see no men about 
the camp appeared to be deserted it was obviously impossible for the shore party to launch the boat with so high a sea running neither could we approach within signalling distance of the beach so that there was no chance of our being able to communicate with our friends for the present i also saw that it would be highly imprudent if not impossible to come to an anchor off the cascade with the yacht there was to be no harbour for us just yet and the only thing to be done was to put to sea and heave to until the weather improved we did not anticipate that we should have to wait long for this improvement but as it turned out we had to remain hove to for eight days before the state of the sea permitted the boat to come off to us during which time the bananas pumpkins and other luxuries of the sort which we had brought from bahia for the working party began to spoil and we had to eat them ourselves to save them so that when at last the men boarded us we had but little left for them of the fresh fruit and vegetables which were so grateful to them though of oatmeal and other provisions there was an ample store we soon discovered that it was much better in every way for the yacht to be hove to than lying at anchor off trinidad to strain at her chain in an ocean swell must be injurious even to such a strong vessel as the alert is and as i have said we did pull one housepipe nearly out of her on the occasion that the chain got foul of the rocks at the bottom thus giving her a short nip even in fine weather we experienced a lot of wear and tear for the yacht used to swing first in one direction then in another as the various flaws of wind struck her so that the chain was constantly getting round her stem and we found that a large piece of her copper had been worn away in this manner just below the water line had i fully realized before the great advantages of heaving too i do not think i should have ever let go my anchor at all here but in that case i should have been compelled to remain on board all the while and would not have had my fortnight stay in camp to remain hove to off this lee side of the island is a very easy matter our method was to sail out to sea from southwest bay until we had got out of the baffling local squalls into the steady breeze and then we hove to under reefed mainsail small jib with sheet to windward and helm lashed the yacht then looked after herself and as the wind was always more or less offshore and the current was setting to the south she would drift away about twelve miles in the night towards the open sea always remaining right opposite our bay so that those on shore could see us at daybreak we divided ourselves into three watches at night one man being sufficient for a watch for he never had anything to do but look out for the passing vessels hove to as we were under such short canvas the fiercest squall we ever encountered had no effect on the vessel and she was in every way very comfortable in the morning we would hoist the foresail and tack towards southwest bay so as to attempt communication with the shore if that were impossible we hove to once more to drift slowly seawards and we repeated this process several times in the course of a day before we finally sailed out for our night's rest on the bosom of the ocean we could sail into southwest bay until we were abreast of the sugar-loaf but no further we were then at least a mile and a quarter from the camp and it was difficult to read the signals of the shore party at that distance as the flags they had with them were of small size to have approached nearer than this would have been a very risky proceeding for though we might have succeeded in getting some way further in and out again with safety time after time 
the day would most assuredly have come when a serious accident would have happened for as soon as the yacht had sailed across the line connecting the two extreme points of the bay the high cliffs diverted the wind so that it was only felt occasionally and then in short squalls from various directions and between those baffling squalls were long spells of calm during which the vessel would drift helplessly before the swell towards the surf under the cliffs or would be carried by the southerly current towards the lava reefs off south point in both cases at imminent risk of destruction and even when the squalls did come down to render assistance they shifted so suddenly that the sails were taken aback two or three times in as many minutes so that all way was lost or even sternway was got on the vessel and one lost control over her at a critical moment the alert sailed into that bay a great many times without mishap but there were anxious moments now and then and i was always glad to escape out of this treacherous trap to the open sea clear of the rocks and squalls with deep water around and a comparatively steady wind to help me we remained thus standing off and on and hove to during the rest of our stay at trinidad our anchor was never let go here again we had been lucky with our weather when we first arrived at the island and had successively landed our working party in stores and our whaleboat had been beached in southwest bay a good many times without serious accident though very seldom without risk but now all this was changed high seas and squally weather were the rule during the eighteen days we remained hove to for the first eight days as i have said we were unable to hold communication with the shore and after that there were but few occasions on which we could beach the boat and then this feat was generally attended with a capsize loss of property and risk of life but fortunately as will be seen the two days preceding our final departure from the islet were fine and we were thus enabled to carry off our tents and other stores had it not been for this short spell of calm we should probably have been compelled to leave behind everything we possessed the fine season here is in the southern summer our winter in winter especially in the months of june july and august landing on trinidad is almost always impossible strong winds and heavy rains then prevail while the seas run high it is possible that the fine weather was now beginning to break up and that when we sailed from the island february fifteenth the stormy autumn season was setting in the ship's log for this period presents a monotonous repetition of vain attempts at boating as the following short record of our proceedings for the first eight days will show it will be remembered that we arrived off the island and hove to on the evening of january twenty ninth january thirtieth sailed into southwest bay after breakfast though we saw the camp standing as we had left it could not perceive any men neither had we done so on the previous day wonder if for some reason or other the shore party have left the island and been carried away by a passing vessel drift out of bay and heave to in afternoon sail into bay again this time are glad to see all the men walking down to the beach we signal for news they reply all well and too rough for boating we signal that we have brought them some letters from bahia when outside bay heave to for the night january thirty first at dawn ten miles off island tack towards island sea high squally sail into bay no signals from shore we conclude it is too rough for boating and that the men are at work in the ravine 
in an afternoon sail again into bay no signals heave to for the night as before february first sail into bay in the morning see the men on shore taking the cover off the whaleboat as if with the intention of coming off they drag her down to the edge of the sea we cannot now distinguish them so cannot tell whether they have launched the boat or not or whether they have capsized or what may have happened all is hidden from us for some time then we see them hauling the boat up the beach again they have evidently abandoned the attempt as too dangerous very squally while hove to drive a long way from island in evening sail towards the bay again and heave to for the night february second heavy showers of rain obscuring island from our view inter bay in the morning it being sunday no work is done in the ravine but the shore party make many fruitless attempts at launching the boat during the day we stand in and out of the bay all day watching the proceedings of those on shore through our glasses on several occasions the men draw the boat down to the edge of the sea disappear from our sight for a time and at last reappear hauling the boat up again they persevere despite repeated failures think they have capsized once at least as they are bailing the boat out on the beach at last at four p m they give up the attempt as hopeless and hoist up the signal impossible to launch lifeboat we exchange several signals but find it difficult to distinguish their small flags from the yacht at sunset we sail out to sea and heave to choppy sea tumbled about a good deal stormy-looking sky february third this morning very clear so see distinctly for a first time the three rocky islets of martin Voss, distant about twenty-five miles from trinidad bearing east sail into bay again several vain attempts to launch boat heave to drift this night upwards of fifteen miles from the island february fourth sail into bay still high surf a signal flying on shore which we cannot distinguish so sail somewhat nearer in are becalmed under sugar-loaf then a squall then taken aback by another squall then calm again we drift toward noah's ark up whose face the sea is breaking fifty or sixty feet high another squall wear vessel and clear out of bay a very squally day with baffling winds making it more than usually dangerous to enter the bay at last on february fifth after having made three vain attempts to cross the barrier of tumbling surf the whaleboat was successfully launched and we saw her come out safely from the line of breakers at the end of the bay then the men pulled away towards us visible one moment as the boat rose to the top of the swell and hidden the next moment from our sight by the rollers as she sank into the valleys between them we sailed into the bay to meet her and hove to abreast of the sugar-loaf the boat came nearer and we saw that the doctor powell purcell and the two black men were in her it was now thirty-eight days since we had last seen our companions they all looked gaunt and haggard and were clad in flannel shirts and trousers ragged and earth-stained from the work in the ravine but they were the same cheery boys as ever as i discovered by the jovial manner of their greeting as soon as they were within hail hello sang out the doctor what vessel's that and where do you come from i am the doctor of the port here hand over your bill of health that i may see whether you can have practique and i am the governor of this island of trinidad cried powell with 
affable pompousness from under an extraordinary hat that had been manufactured by himself apparently out of the remains of old hampers and birds nests will you do me the honor of dining with me at government house tonight i shall be glad to learn from you how the revolution is progressing in our neighboring state of brazil i was just on the point of sending out my squadron here patting the whaleboat on the side to bahia to look after the interests of any of our subjects who may be there it was startling for us to find that these dwellers on a desert island had already heard of the brazilian revolution and we were still more amazed when they proved to us that they were well informed to all that had been going on in the outer world we had been looking forward to imparting the latest news to them but lo all that we had to tell was stale to them they kept us in a state of mystification for some time before they revealed the source of this marvelous knowledge and the only information that powell would vouchsafe us on the subject was to the effect that we found it slow here without the newspapers at breakfast and have established telegraphic communication with england all the latest racing intelligence comes through the tape in the doctor's tent but before asking any questions we greeted our long absent friends they came on board and had a good square meal such as they had not enjoyed for a long time with red wine cigars and other luxuries and after this we sat down to a long yarn and an exchange of news. End of chapter 19